HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. With Shift Work, a podcast made in collaboration with RWCF and HRN, we're shifting the conversation about how the restaurant food you love makes its way to the table. Listen to and follow Shift Work on your favorite podcast app. there and welcome to the Feed Feed podcast. I'm Alexa Santos, a food editor at the Feed Feed, the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Here on the Feed Feed podcast, I'm speaking with members of the hashtag Feed Feed community to hear their stories, get their culinary inspiration, and also give you some of their best cooking tips. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Zulia Kawaja, aka at Naturally Zuzu on social media. Zulia is the founder of Naturally Zuzu Brand. She is a mom, Top Chef Amateurs winner on Bravo Top Chef, plant-based chef, recipe developer, and food stylist. She shares her original plant-based recipes and inspires her audience to live an active, healthy, and happy life through her blog, Instagram, and Facebook communities. Welcome to the Feed Feed Podcast, Zulia. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much, Alexa. I'm excited to be here too. I'm so glad. So you obviously have got a lot going on. You wear a lot of hats. You're doing a lot of things. So how would you describe, I mean, for those who haven't seen your social media, definitely check her out at Naturally Zuzu. But how would you kind of describe the spark notes of your whole your whole deal? It's plant-based. It's sunny. It's aesthetic. We've got a lot of fruit forward and veggie forward dishes. How, would you, how do you kind of best explain to people the type of the, your culinary lens, I guess. I always tell that my, my culinary lens is pretty much is like a rainbow dipped lens. You know, you come to my page I, I, and really it shows like the colors of rainbow. I like colors. I like vibrant colors. So my page is pretty much a representation of those colors, which I really enjoy in my daily life. The green, the reds, the yellows, all the colors of the rainbow. Yes. What a, I love that. <laughs> and would you say you achieve that primarily through kind of fruits and veggies? And I know you kind of incorporate flowers sometimes. How do you, how do you achieve that? So initially when I started my blog after uh, becoming plant-based, I was posting a lot of the fruits I was eating. And um, I remember one post that went viral was my 
a fruit platter, which I made. I made a fruit platter. I, I posted on my Instagram page. And that fruit platter went viral. I think one of the big bloggers from Dubai, her name is Huda Beauty. She's a um, this beauty icon. She has her own uh, makeup line. She reposted it on her page. And like overnight, my page grew like from a thousand followers to like 10,000 followers. I'm like, right. wait, people, people love, people love uh, fruit platters, I guess. So I started <laughs> doing more fruit platters and people were calling me fruit lady at one point to like, oh, hey. the fruit lady. <laughs> I'm like, I don't mind be calling fruit lady because I was really enjoying um, a raw vegan lifestyle at that time, eating a lot of um, fruits and vegetables. So that's how I... Um, kind of started my page initially. And then slowly um, I incorporated my uh, recipes. I would uh, I would make the traditional recipes that I would cook for my family, but plant-based. Uh, people were asking me over and over, like, how are you staying plant-based? How are you incorporating the, the recipes that you were making before? How are you switching them into plant-based? And I said, well, maybe I should start posting them on my Instagram page and sharing sharing those recipes with my friends and family because they were so curious how I was living this life as a plant-based foodie. I used to eat everything before from, you know, chicken oh. legs, you know, chicken feet and, and and snails. And all of a sudden they're like, wait, how are you now going plant-based and thriving on this diet? So that's how, how Naturally Zuzu actually started. I was encouraged by my family and friends to share my, my journey as a plant-based chef. Oh. And um, I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm going to start posting my recipes. And today I'm veganizing the famous lasagna that Zulia used to make. So here you go. Here you have it. <laughs> yeah, and, it's full uh, circle. So how long have you been vegan? I've been vegan now for seven years, believe it or not. Okay. And the, the reason I became vegan, people always ask me, like, what, what led you to become vegan? I used to work as an analyst for a for a real estate investment company. Uh, Blackstone was actually one of my uh, clients for many, many years. Uh, it's a company hedge fund um, from New York City. Um, mm -hmm. And my life was a, pretty much a, a crazy uh, life of a, a VP of director of investor relations for the huge company. Oh, yeah. I used to travel quite a lot. I had a really bad, uh, um, you know, life with uh, my food. I hated mm -hmm. sitting down and eating. I was traveling too much. I was always on the go. I ate a lot of junk food. And as a result, I started developing um, some health conditions, which were uh, like related to my gut. And that led to inflammation. After doing a lot of research, I'm like, I'm going to switch my diet. I'm going to do different things with uh, with my lifestyle. So I decided to go vegan. I, and um, I started doing raw vegan because I wanted to really cleanse my body initially. Um, mm -hmm. The one thing led to another. Uh, one day... Um, I decided completely change my career. I always enjoyed cooking. I always enjoyed um, serving food for my family and for my friends, hosting large dinner parties. And I said, why not to really pursue this passion I have for cooking? That's awesome. <laughs> so I, 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 <laughs> I quit my career pretty much overnight. Um, I went to my boss and I said, you know what? I don't, I don't enjoy my job anymore. I, I'm just going to you know, freelance. If you need me, you can call me, but I'm not going to be coming to the <laughs> office anymore. <laughs> he was shocked, of course. and was like, wait, but what's happening here right now? I mean, where oh are you God. going? Like, wait, what are you going to be doing? 
Um, so, um, yeah, I started developing my blog, um, and started sharing my recipes and, and, and really enjoying what I, what I was doing at that time. Um, now, now we have naturally Zuzu, you know, our community, my community is about 155,000 followers. And, uh, you know, I just love hearing stories of people coming to me and saying, listen, you inspired me because of you. I became plant-based because of you. Now I'm eating healthier because of you. I switched my career from being a, you know, so-and-so to a foodie now. And now I'm sharing yeah. my recipes because you inspired me. It's like a full circle, you know, like I'm giving back to the community who I was inspired by before as well. Um, oh, that's awesome. So that's how it all started. <laughs> uh-huh. My gosh. Well, what a story. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you really, you really did it. And I assume you're much happier now and living your best life. And I know how busy that life can be as, you know, a food blogger and food content creator, you know, it's a, it's no joke, you know, as much as you really, you really have to love it, but tell me, so take me back to the beginning now. So you, you know, we know that seven years ago you went plant-based and everything kind of evolved from there. But when you were little, so I want to know about kind of like food and family, like where are, where is your family from and what type of food did you grow up eating? I know you said you ate crazy things back before you went <laughs> vegan. So what, where's kind of your family from and what's your, your family story there as it pertains to food? Sure. Yeah. So I was born in a former Soviet Union in a country called Uzbekistan. Um, oh. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's in Central Asia. I've heard of it, but I don't think I know. I don't think I've ever met anybody from there. So I'm your first one, Alexa. Hello. <laughs> hello. Hello. So in, uh, Uzbekistan was part of Soviet Union for about 75 years. We became independent in 1992. Um, and um in 1992, my family decided to immigrate from Uzbekistan to Russia for political reasons. My dad was a, a governor in one of the regions of Uzbekistan. And uh, due to some political instability there in the country, uh, my dad, um, um, you know, he was forced basically to move from his, his country where he was there to Russia. And from Russia, then we immigrated to the United States um, as a political refugees. So I came here after graduating the university in Russia. Um, and uh, I settled in New Jersey initially, um, in Persephone, so not too far from New York oh, City. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> On the other side of the Hudson. Um, it was, um, there was a very, very large Uzbek community there. Uh, and my dad was sort of kind of gravitated towards being closer to, to the Uzbek community in, uh, in the East Coast. But growing up in Uzbekistan, my family um, was very much into cooking, especially my grandmother. And I think a lot of the influences I have is from my grandmother, from my dad's side. She was the, the matriarch of the family. And every weekend, you know, she would have these um, lavish dinners at her house. And when I say lavish, there would be like 10, 15 courses of dinner, starting from, Ooh. you know, several appetizers to several dinner courses and several dessert courses. And she would actually cook everything by herself with little help. You know, she had little help who would clean, you know, 
clean the vegetables and cut and chop. But she was in charge of making all that food. And she was incredible. I was so fascinated by her, by her story. Uh, she was a daughter. So my grandmother was a daughter of, of, uh, of this, uh, account like you know she's she said she was she learned how to cook from her mother although her mother had all that help mm-hmm. her father never allowed the help to to cook for him she was the responsible oh. one to cook i don't know whether she was he was scared that he's going to get poisoned by, <laughs> by people <laughs> it was a different good. time it was so she yeah. said that her mother was always the one who cooked food. So as a result, that she ended up learning everything from her mother, everything that she knew she learned from her mother. So everything, um, I, you know, that my mother also learned was from her mother-in-law because my mother-in-law was very specific about the recipes she taught my mother. So it was kind of a, a family generation of recipes being passed on from one person to another. I was mm. the one who always sat by my grandmother and used to fold dumplings. Uzbek food. I have to tell you about a little bit of Uzbek food. Uzbek food is made Yeah, I want to hear much. what the food was like. I have no idea what the food was like. Food is very much, we have influences from China, we have influences from India, we have influences from Russia and Middle East. So when you go to Uzbekistan, you will find hand-pulled noodles, you will find mm. mantus, which are very very similar to Chinese dumplings, and we steam them. Uh, you'll find shashlik, or we call them kebab, very similar, So we, mm-hmm. which is like skewered meats that you cook on an open fire. You find uh, a rice dishes like palau, which is very similar to biryani, uh, Indian mm. biryani. When people ask mm-hmm. me what is palau looks like or, or tastes like, I always say, you know, very much like biryani, Indian biryani. You can make it with lamb, you can make it with chicken, but primarily it's made with lamb. So when you go to one of those Uzbek bazaars, let's say in the center of Tashkent, which is the capital of Uzbekistan, we have these massive bazaars which go for miles and miles. And in there is a food court. In the food court, people make uh, these big pots of palau with uh, lamb. And um, after people finish shopping at the bazaar, getting their groceries or produce, whatever they came for to shop at the bazaar, they sit down and they eat this rice dish called palau. Uh-huh. Um, I veganize that dish too, you know, for my family. Oh, of course you <laughs> Instead of using lamb, and now I use either jackfruit or I use um, uh, tofu. Okay. Uh, it, it, it doesn't taste as fatty, like, you know, like umami from the lamb. Yeah. Like, but, but it has the flavors. It has the spices that, which I incorporate um, from my grandmother's recipe. So that's basically what my childhood was like, you know, mm-hmm. every Sunday, my grandmother would take me to the, to the market and we would pick the spices, the vegetables, you know, all the produce together and um, we would come back to her house and she would prepare this 15 course dinner. For oh my all of God, us. that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and we would just sit there all day cooking and then all night eating. Um, so my life was pretty much um, around the food, around that hospitality, you know, having mm-hmm. people over, um, showing love through food. And that never goes away, you know, kind of engraved, engraved in you. Um, after I moved to the United States in 1997, uh, I um, 
met my husband's family in New Jersey, um, mm-hmm. and uh, they are also from originally from Uzbekistan, but they immigrated really? to the United Yes, they are. And, oh um, but their, their story is they moved to the United States in the 70s. So they pretty much grew up here. They really much, very much, uh, um, they, they consider themselves American already, you know, because they've been here for so long. But for me, it was like brand new meeting them. And again, you know, naturally kind of, we kind of gravitate towards each other, right? From same culture, same community. And I, uh, I met my husband in one of the community dinners we've had in New Jersey. And uh, we uh, kind of, after six months, we decided, oh, I guess we like each other, you know? I guess we should marry each other. <laughs> I guess when you meet someone, you know, immediately you're like, oh, you know, he's a nice guy. And started writing me. And I'm like, okay, wait, I just moved to the United States. I have all these plans for myself. I don't want to get married yet. Yeah. But it happened. It happened. I got married and then I moved to California because he was... Um, living here in San Diego. He graduated from law school here in San Diego and decided to settle here. So that's how I uh, migrated to California after getting married. But my my whole family is still back in New Jersey. His family and my family, they're all back in New Jersey area. Well, look Um, at that. Yeah. So if you ever want to go and try Uzbek food, there are many, many Uzbek restaurants. Actually, you guys are very fortunate to have one of the best Uzbek restaurants outside of Uzbekistan in Brooklyn. Really? There are a few in Brooklyn, few in uh, Brighton Beach. (laughs) It's in Brighton Beach. Oh, that makes sense. I think that Mm -hmm. they have a lot of you know, cultural cuisine in Brighton Beach. Yes, a lot of Russians in Brighton Beach uh-huh. and um, a lot of Uzbeks in Brighton Beach. So they have one of the best restaurants. So if you would like uh, some recommendations, I would be more than happy to send you oh a few recommendations. God. I would yes. love that. So what, so what was, I guess, your what was your favorite food growing up, you know, out of these like elaborate 15 course meals that you're your grandmother was making, what was kind of your favorite or like your thing that you liked to, I know you said you kind of helped her with dumplings. What was, what was the thing that really stuck with you the most? I really enjoyed um, eating her. Uh, we, we, she would make this dish very similar to congee, like rice dish, like mm-hmm. rice porridge dish. Um, so I really enjoyed eating that. It was kind of comforting, you know, it was like a, like a big hug, you know, when you, when you tasted it, it was just so good, especially it was the first thing you would eat before eating anything else. And she would say that it would kind of gives you that start starter, you know, before you eat the heavy meal, you have to put something nourishing into your body. So that was my favorite. Um, the dumplings were another fr- favorite of mine. And oh my gosh, now I am vegan. I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but her roast lamb used to be my <laughs> other favorite dish. <laughs> but I don't eat I don't eat that anymore. But I remember growing up, I would look forward to that. Um, oh, yeah, so there are so many oh, other dishes it. she would make. I know, right? All these childhood memories. It's like a you, childhood you think memory, back. and it's a cultural food. You know. It's and, Exactly. Okay, we'll, we'll give you the pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we'll, we'll give, give you a pass on dishes. that the, the, She used to make these hand-pulled noodles, I remember. And um, 
those were my favorites too. I think a lot of the carb carb rich dishes were my yes. favorite. I'm still like that. I love carbs. So I yeah, never say yeah. no to carbohydrates. I'm like, give me those carbs. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Oh my gosh. Well, what a what an amazing story. So when did you start? I mean, you were were you always kind of fascinated with food and like wanting to be in the kitchen with her or what how, when did you start being interested in this? I think I was 12 when um one day she like she was folding dumplings and I was so curious. I came to her and I said, "Can I help you, grandma?" And she's like, "Yeah, sit next to me. Help me out. This is how you do it." And she started showing me how she would you know, make the dough from scratch, um, roll the dough, you know, put a filling in it and fold it. I was so fascinated by her technique, folding technique. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just sit there and just like stare at every single finger movement, <laughs> basically. <laughs> like, how is she doing it so fast? Like, oh you know, of course, you know, I would sit there and practice with, with her over and over and over again. Um, and that's how everything started. And then all of a sudden she would be like, do you want to do dumplings with me again this weekend? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll do dumplings with you again. And then one thing led to another. She would teach me the rice dishes. She would teach me how to make, you know, the noodles and the salads and, and, and the desserts, traditional desserts that she would make, um, so yeah, and and I kind of from that age, young age, I was so fascinated by creating food and making food. I'm like, I, I didn't stop. Um, I think yeah. the first time I cooked for my mom was I was 13. She came, she was a teacher at school. One day she came, she came home and she wasn't feeling good. And then she just laid down. It was so unusual of her to just lay down after after work. She would always mm-hmm. make dinner for us and for my dad. Uh, and I'm like, mom, are you feeling okay? She's like, yeah, you know what? I'm not feeling well and I'm just going to lay down. And I felt so bad for her. I went to the kitchen and I made that congee rice that my, um, my grandma would, would make for us. So it was just like vegetable broth, rice, a lot of onions, potatoes, and then you just cook that until it gets kind of porridgey. I made that and I brought it to her. She's like, is your grandma here? I'm like, no. <laughs> Who made this? I'm like, I did. <laughs> she was so That's surprised. So, <laughs> so I brought that to her. And then from that point, she'd be like, Do you want to cook? I'm like, okay, wait, I made you, I made you that that dish one day. Now you want me to cook every day? Okay. <laughs> yeah, you so, didn't realize what you were getting into. But that's I so know, sweet. right? <laughs> oh my gosh, you were such a sweet, such a sweet young girl to like do that for your mom. I mean, mm. she was probably very fortunate that you were interested. So then did you start from there, I guess. Kind of started from there. Yeah. So I, you know, every mo- every weekend I was in charge of breakfast. So my dad would be like, oh, you know, um, you know, would you like to make breakfast this morning? I think he asked me one Sunday as he was cooking some eggs and making some food. And I'm like, yeah, I want to start making breakfast. So I started making breakfast one Sunday. And then after that point, again, they gave me the responsibility of making breakfast on Sunday. <laughs> I'm like, what am I getting to myself here? Okay, now I'm in charge of breakfast. So um, one thing that my mom always used to tell me that I always would put like herbs, like when I would plate my food, I always used to say, even at that age, like, 
I eat with my eyes. Like I want to make sure that my food looks pretty. And my dad would always make fun of me saying, like, why you always put like herbs on the food? Like, does it have to be there? Like, why are you putting flowers on your food? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, are you going to eat that flower? <laughs> I'm asking, like, <laughs> I had rose petals on one of my um, dishes. and was like, uh, are you going to eat those? Like, we're not, we're not cows. We're not going to eat those. All right. So oh you gosh. would make fun of me all the time. And um, now, like, I look at my food, my mom would always say, you always would make like trees with your, with your, like, with your herbs. And then you would make uh, clouds with your mashed potatoes. And Aww. now you're kind of doing the same thing. You I mean, are. <laughs> playing with food. No, you never stop playing with your food. You're like, I remember her asking me, like, are you still playing with your food? I'm like, yep, mom, I'm still playing with my food. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that's so cute. Yeah, I mean, if you look at your con, I mean, it is sort of, you know, you're putting flowers on your food. You're making it like a little landscape. You're making it like a little garden. So that's that's very cute that you've kind of always, always been doing that. That's adorable. <laughs> I love that. Some things, some things never change that they say, they right? <laughs> so you have, you have two of your own now and have they shown any interest in kind of the culinary world or is that not even, <laughs> not even close? You know, my oldest, Cameron, he really enjoys getting in the kitchen with me. Um, he loves making curries. Uh, he's very much into Japanese cuisine. He took four years oh. of Japanese when he was in high school and he became quite fascinated with Japanese culture. So two years ago, right before pandemic started, we were in uh, Japan and I saw a sparkle in his eyes when we were there. Mm. He was just so um, intrigued by the culture, um, especially now speaking the language and, and understanding even more. He was so intrigued by the food, by the way how the food was served there, um, the respect for food Japanese people have, and yeah. all that love around um, the food that they make. And he came home, I remember, and he said, oh, you know, I want to start making some Japanese food. And for, on Fridays, he makes Japanese curry. And he, it's so sweet of him. Sometimes he makes one with tofu for me and then one with chicken just for himself and for his dad and his brother. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and that's his thing. It's like Friday curry, mom, Japanese curry. I'm like, okay, Ooh. yes, you can make that for me. Finally, someone yes. is cooking for me. I'm not the only one cooking here all the time. Yeah, you'll take it, right? I take it. Tell me, yes. So they they are very much into making breakfast with me on the weekends because um, with pandemic, they've been home. Um, Their school is uh, remote, so they've been home mostly. And on the weekends, we try to do this family, making breakfast as a family together. So they come downstairs, you know, they love my crepes. So we make crepes together um, and, you know, you know, anything else they would like to eat. Like I don't cook eggs anymore. So if they want to yeah. eat eggs, they make eggs for themselves. Um, and then we all sit down and we enjoy our breakfast. So they're getting, they're getting curious, you know, <laughs> slowly, slowly. That's great. Well, yeah, I mean, I think for me and a lot of people, you know, especially people who grow up in the States or, you know, grow up in a family that doesn't really you know, force them to cook or, you know, who have parents, you know, as gracious as you who are, you know, happy to cook for your family every day. You don't really start cooking until you kind of move off onto your own, which you're probably now seeing with your oldest who is having to cook for himself if he, you know, if he left the house or, you know, vice versa. That's sort of when I started 
becoming interested in it is when I, you know, went to college. I mean, I always liked it, but once I sort of had to figure out, okay, I need to make a meal for myself every night that isn't expensive, but is also tasty and doesn't make me like feel disgusting. You know, I don't want to get fast food every day. Um, so that's so true. Yeah. I think that's when a lot of people start to get inspired to do that stuff. So I think they're on the right track and, you know, if they're not inspired by you, I would be, uh, I would be shocked, but (laughs) that's, that's very cute. So what type of food, I know you're obviously cooking plant-based. Um, is there like, do you, I know you said you recreated kind of a, an old school lasagna dish of yours and turning it into plant-based, but is there sort of like a cuisine or, you know, different cuisines of food that you're making a lot at home? What are some of the, some of the staples, I guess, in your house now that you are plant-based? You know, we make a lot of Uzbek food because they enjoy it. We make the Uzbek palau, we make Uzbek samosas at home. Uh, Instead of lamb or meat, I make them with potatoes or with tofu. Uh, They really enjoyed eating that. We Mm -hmm. make a lot of Southeast Asian food as well. Indian curries, Thai curries, um, because they're really easy to veganize. You know, you just replace it with jackfruit or replace it with tofu. And surprisingly, my boys love eating tofu. They love eating jackfruit. So whatever I put it on a table, they devour it. Maybe because they're boys. I don't know. You know, they're like, (laughs) they just keep eating. You know, I go to Costco, I guess, uh, every every week. And it's like my fridge is empty by the end of Sunday. I'm like, wait, so what happened? Did you guys eat everything I had in the fridge? Yeah. Uh, My gosh. Yeah. Two growing boys. I guess that's kind of what you sign up for, right? That's it. (laughs) That's it. So we cook all of that. And then, you know, we make the burgers, American food as well, the Mm -hmm. vegan burgers uh, with bean burgers or, you know, with the meat substitutes that out there on the market now. Um, What else we make? I mean, uh, gosh, we make a lot of Mexican food because we're in Southern California. We're inspired by this incredible Mexican cuisine Mm -hmm. here, especially in San Diego. So we make tacos, uh, enchiladas, uh, you know, but all veganized, of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I'm sure it's a, an interesting task for you to kind of take some of those foods and change them and find ways that, you know, still make them very, you know, mouthwatering and delicious that are while completely changing the recipe to be vegan at the same time. <laughs> oh, it is. Sure but I easy. love the challenge. I always tell people like, throw a challenge at me. Let me, let me like veganize something that you haven't veganized yet, you know? And yeah. I love challenging myself and making the food not only vegan, but also tasty. Uh, One of the challenges I recently had with Mexican food, uh, you know, when berrias were so popular, everyone was making berria tacos. You know, they were Uh all over TikTok. They were all over Instagram and YouTube. Um, my kids were like, oh, we really want birria tacos, mom. Like, um, yeah. can we? I'm like, no, you're not eating real birria tacos. I'm going to make it at home. So I uh, made some with mushrooms, with uh, trumpet mushrooms, you know, shredding the trumpet mushrooms. And then I added some jackfruit to it. And they were so good. So that was one of the challenges. And I remember my son said, mom, like, this tastes really good. Like, the consomme and all of that that you made, like, actually tastes like a real deal. And I'm like, wait, how do you know what the real deal tastes like? Did you actually have some? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, how did you know? (laughs) Right? So I guess he did have some before, you know, without me knowing. And then when Uh I made it, 
Well, it was actually, I guess, I, I guess it was a good thing because they're flexitarian. They eat all yeah. plant-based at home, but when they're out, I really cannot control them. You know, I feel like this whole transition has to be organic. You can't really force a child, especially yeah. a grown child, grown adult like them, right? I can't, I don't want to call them child anymore. They're grown adults. They're still to your go babies plant-based. though. They're still my babies. Yes. I always say they're still my little babies, um, <laughs> but that, that was a challenge that they they actually threw at me, like, can you make vegan birria tacos? I'm like, yeah, give me that challenge. Right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, All right, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Kiki Luya, the executive director of Restaurant Workers Community Foundation, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Shift Work. In the last six months, some 6,500 restaurants have closed their doors, and there's never been a time when restaurants and their 12 million workers have been more vulnerable. It's time to transform hospitality. With Shift Work, a podcast made in collaboration with RWCF and HRN, we're shifting the conversation about how the restaurant food you love makes its way to the table. What does it really take to make that experience happen? And who are the countless workers responsible? We're talking porters, cleaning crew, prep cooks, servers, baristas, hosts, bartenders, barbacks, managers, sommeliers, and chefs. I'll also introduce you to organizations that are leading industry transformation. We'll discuss mental health, fair pay, racial justice, and how hospitality can change for the better. We need it. Listen to and follow Shift Work on your favorite podcast app. So what's your favorite thing? What's your favorite thing to make now? I mean, you obviously you do kind of a lot of like smoothie bowls and really gorgeous salads and fruit plates, but what's sort of your your favorite food to to make now? Comfort food. I think during COVID, I think we all um wanted to eat more comfort food, right? Something mm-hmm. that would make us feel um loved and um and happy. So comfort food was one thing that I started making a lot more. And it shows on my waist, too, as a result. <laughs> oh, that's okay. It's all right. We're all in the I same was, boat. <laughs> I was baking too much. You know, I was on the sourdough uh, yes. train as well. You know, everyone was making sourdough. I started doing my own sourdough, baking a lot, uh, making a lot of uh, pasta dishes, mm-hmm. Um so yeah, so that's even now, like I love comfort food, you know, any day you ask me what I want to eat, I probably would say ramen or, you know, pasta, carbs. Yeah, especially those, <laughs> yeah, you, got me in the, you got me in the mood for, for noodles when you were describing those hand, hand-pulled noodles that your grandma used to make. That sounds so good. <laughs> you have to find them. You have to find them when you're in New York next time. I'll send you some, I, uh, okay. some restaurant re- referrals. I really want to because, yeah, I don't think I've ever had, you know, I'm I'm relatively familiar with, I guess, sort of Russian cooking a little bit, but not really. And I think Uzbek, and it's, it's cool how you describe it being influenced by so many different regions because it is kind of in the middle of so many, you know, it sort is. of close to China and India and also, you know, Russia and kind of being in the middle of all those things. So that sounds super interesting and I would love to try it. <laughs> I'm looking at your page right now and just getting so hungry. So what would you say for for people who, you know, are considering going plant-based but may not be there yet and may not be, you know, ready to do it? What would you say as kind of your words of advice for people who are considering it? I always say, you know, don't go cold turkey. 
you know, it's never good when you go just overnight going vegan because you're not going to really sustain that type of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Do it slowly. Start with Meatless Monday, you know, start uh, adding more vegetables into your lifestyle, adding more salads, you know, having maybe 20% protein and 80% vegetable forward dishes. Um, The way how I started my family was with Meatless Mondays. Like on Mondays, we wouldn't eat anything that was that was animal protein. Um, and um, on Tuesdays, we would do fish tacos, right? And then on Wednesdays, it would be just uh, something completely um, uh, different as well. Something with mm-hmm. tofu and some um, uh, meat substitute, uh, like uh, impossible meat or like one of those uh, meats that we have. And, and that's how we slowly transition. So anyone who wants to transition or even anyone who is plant curious, I say transition slowly, you know, start adding more vegetables into your diet. As long as your diet is more veg-centric, you should be able to slowly transition into full plant-based lifestyle eventually because your body will start craving more vegetables as a result. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did not transition overnight, you know. I think it took me about a month to kind of go fully vegan. But I, um, I think the hardest thing for me to give up was fish because I always oh. liked seafood and especially yeah, sushi. That was hard for me too. Oh God, su- oh God, don't <laughs> it's my favorite food. Right? So exactly, same thing was for me. But then I discovered there are vegan sushi places um, that existed. I'm like, what? You just changed my life. Like yeah, now I can I go full vegan. Especially in Southern California, that's gotta be, <laughs> that yes. happens pretty quick. They're on top of stuff like that. They are, absolutely. And um, this, that would be my advice. Don't do it overnight. Do it gradually. You know, create a lifestyle that's more veg-centric. You know, 80% vegetables, 20% protein. And eventually, you know, um, I, I always say it takes 21 days for your body to reset. After okay. 21 days, you you start craving more vegetables. And then you can start eliminating protein, um, animal protein completely and start okay. adding um, tofu legumes, you know, I love legumes. I, I love adding chickpeas to my food. The be- the beans, all kinds of beans that we have so many varieties of beans, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they're packed with protein, packed with fiber and so many other nutrients. Um, and that's how we vegans now get our protein. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So as far as I guess, you know, that's your tips for people who, you know, may be considering going vegan. But as far as, you know, tips for just kind of any culinary tips, any like top hacks or tricks that you maybe have taught your sons or like any good golden tidbits of knowledge that you'd like to share? Sure. Yeah. I always say like, don't be scared of experimenting with spices. You know, um, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, in my country, we are very generous with using spices, you know, yeah. cumin, cardamom, you know, um, the, 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 the masala spices that we use. We're very generous. We, we don't even measure when we're cooking. We're like, basically like pouring it from a bottle when we're cooking. <laughs> Just going for it. Just going for it, exactly. And when people tell me like, you know, I'm, I'm scared to use spices because I don't want to make the food taste bad. I'm like, no, you're not going to make the food taste bad. It's not baking. It doesn't have to be precise. Um, so just experiment, taste it, you know, 
try what your palate likes because our palates are so different, right? Yeah. Uh, something I like might not be favorable to you. So um, that's why it's so hard for us people, especially chefs, to write the recipe exactly the way, you know, we might think the public would like. Um, mm-hmm. And this is why I always say, like, taste your food as you're cooking and adjust the flavors to your liking. Uh, so that would be one of the tips, you know, that just don't follow the recipe exactly. Make it your right. own. Yeah. Add your yeah, own be- flavor to it. Yeah, that's the best way to do it, especially, I mean, I'm sure you've seen all, like, the memes about, like, you know, when a recipe calls for two cloves of garlic and, you know, we're adding, <laughs> like, eight. <laughs> like, two. Yes. Uh, exactly. Let's go with eight. Exactly. <laughs> that's, so, my, that's my thing, too. I'm like, why two? Like, really? I mean, you're not yeah, going to even taste nothing. the garlic. <laughs> nothing. Lay it on. So is Uzbek is Uzbekistani? Is Uzbek, how would you, how do you say that? Uzbek, Uzbek food. Uzbek oh, food. food. Okay. Uh-huh. Is Uzbek food very spicy then? It's not. It's actually, you know, um, I wouldn't say it's spicy, but it's very flavorful. Okay. Um, In the best Primarily, ways. Primarily, we use spices like cumin, coriander powder. We use cinnamon. Um, we use chili powders. The curry didn't come to Uzbekistan until later, although we are like right on the Silk Road. The whole Silk Road Passage was through Uzbekistan. And mm. you would think we would get those curries. But after yeah. uh, Russians invaded Uzbekistan in 1917, a lot of those um, uh, the access to those spices became very limited. So Uzbek food gradually also changed to more blander, I would say, uh, yeah. flavors than it was before. Um, so before Russians invaded Uzbekistan, our food used to be more kind of on the spicier side. And then after um, Russian invasion, it became a little bit more bland, like Russian food. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, we're getting, we're getting all kinds of things. We're getting a culinary lesson, a history lesson, a uh, lesson on how to go vegan. We're getting it all. <laughs> Very important. And was there – so? This has been an absolute delight chatting with you, but is there anything important or major that I'm missing that I haven't asked you yet about kind of your culinary journey? I don't think so. You know, I had a great experience being on Top Chef Amateurs last year. Oh, so yeah. that was... Uh, I, loved, my... I loved seeing you on there. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I never thought in my, my whole life that I would be uh, cooking with my, uh, um, you know, people who I would watch growing up you know when I came to the United States Top Chef was one of the first shows I got very much into just sitting there watching these chefs cooking for their lives you know (laughs) (laughs) like oh my gosh I can't believe like yeah I would sit there I'm like why didn't you put a little bit more that of this like I I would get involved don't use the ice cream machine exactly don't use it don't make the risotto that's gonna take you forever oh my gosh yeah do you remember that episode when Wolfgang Puck came out and had to teach that lady how to make risotto exactly oh my gosh iconic that's why they call it it's iconic exactly so when um I got um approached by um one of the producers through my Instagram page believe it or not I um I got an email or or a message DM rather on my Instagram page saying hey we're auditioning uh home cooks 
for the show, would you like to audition? I'm like, um, yes, of course. Yeah, I think <laughs> I would like to. So when I got the audition link, it said Top Chef. I literally, like, my jaw dropped and I wanted to pass out. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is like the show <laughs> I always wanted to be on. And, yeah, it was a spinoff of it for Home Cooks, mm-hmm. but it was one of the best experiences of my life. Just being in that Top Chef kitchen. Right. I mean, on, on the show, like on TV, when you watch it, it looks actually small, but it's massive. Like running, it's huge. It is so huge. Like you are basically getting a workout girl running from pantry to, to the the cooking area, to the fridge. I mean, I was like getting a workout running and that kitchen gets so hot, so hot. I felt like I was doing like a a running and, and, and a Bikram yoga at the same time. Sweating. I'm like, now I understand oh what these people go through. And everything That's happens so fast. Everything oh happens really fast. The clock is basically ticking. Like next thing you know, you only have three minutes to plate, you know, your dish and it has to look yeah. presentable and, and the judges have to like be amazed by you. So oh it was one of the best experiences of my life, I have to tell you. My and, goodness. Um, well, I have something to tell you. So I actually was also auditioning for the same show. And I was like, literally, what? I think probably the last round was when they cut me. And it 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 worked out that I didn't get it because it if you remember, it was basically it was around October of 2020. Yeah. When they were getting really into the nitty-gritty. You know, I had my fa- my parents and my family sign the waivers because I had submitted photos of them. I had done all these meetings and interviews and everything. That's and crazy. I got, I was right there. And then at the, the same week, I got my job at the feed feed. So I remember thinking, like, I didn't know what the deal was with Bravo Top Chef. I was like waiting to find out. But I was like, of course, if I get it, I want to do it. And then I'm hearing, you know, oh, yeah, with their, you know, it's going to be two weeks of, you know, you need to be on location for two weeks and quarantine and this, that. And I'm like, getting my I'm signing paperwork to start my job at the feed feed at the same time. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to make this work. And I was also (laughs) doing, you know, some freelance, I had some freelance stuff that I was doing before I started my job at the feed feed, like those loose ends I needed to tie up. And I was like, I'm not going to say no to any of this, but I don't know how I'm going to make it work. So, you know, and and I ended up not making it to the last step. I think I was in the final round and then didn't get into the actual cast, but you know, it sounds amazing, but I look back and I'm like, I could not have done it. <laughs> I don't know how that would have been possible. It was like the craziest time in my life, but it's kind of fun to live vicariously through you and hear, Aww, you know, thank you. How that is was. crazy though. That I know. is crazy. How what amazing would be though, like, right? Like you I know. there, I'm there. <laughs> I know, I know. It would have been so fun. It would have been it so been cool. Really exactly. But yeah, it's kind of funny. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. As you were talking about this, I was like, oh wait, I was like very, very close to being on that show. And then it just ended up, you know, everything happened the way it was supposed to because, you know, I was able to start my job at the feed feed and I had to plan you know, moving to New York because they wanted me to be near the the studio kitchen in New York City. So I had to plan a move and it was an insane, insane time. So it it, it worked out, but kind of it funny. It worked out great for you. Now you're talking about it. <laughs> yes, exactly. And here we are. So thank you so much for sharing everything that you did. It's been an absolute pleasure to learn about you and hear your story and get your tips and tricks and 
you know, be inspired to, you know, cook and eat more plants. And it's just been an absolute delight. So thank you so much for being here. Zulia. Oh, thank you, Alexa. It was such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. I have to tell you, though, uh, in the conclusion that when I first started my uh, food blog uh, through Instagram. I I was one of the contestants. You know how Feed Feed would say we're doing a contest, like yes. tag us. Yes. I won one of the contests. And that's Yay. how, like, oh my gosh, it was like, and now I feel like it's been so long. I think it was, I won a KitchenAid uh, blender. Oh, I think yeah. it was like, it was a whole thing. It was one of the contests that you guys run. And my recipe <laughs> was featured on Feed Feed. That was my first feature on Feed Feed. And oh, that nice. really helped me to really, to mod- motivated me to create more recipes. And um, I always tell like, uh, yeah, I mean, because of Feed Feed, like my audience grew. And um, I started making more recipes, you know, comfort recipes, traditional recipes, because they really saw potential and they thought my recipe was unique or, you know, or uh, different. So, so thank you for that. Thank you, Fidby, for that. (laughs) Here, Here we are full circle now, right? Yes. Look yes. at us. It's amazing. Well, it's, been, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's a pleasure to kind of watch you grow and kind of watch what you, you know, put out there and put out there to the universe. And it's just, it's all delightful stuff. So I'm happy to learn from you and kind of see what you're doing. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. And I love watching you on Feed Feed. I love watching you on their TikTok pages when you're cooking, creating <laughs> all these recipes. It's always fun. So. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is the Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Feed Feed. And don't forget to check out Zulia on all social platforms on her blog at Naturally Zuzu. If you have a food story to tell or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur, we would love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradio.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from our listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.